We're going to be in Psalm chapter 119, a very, very special psalm, the longest in the Bible and uh, written by a man who had a heart for the word. If you in your walk with God ever struggle to love his word, then live in Psalm 119. Live in it. Read it over and over and over and pray as you read. Lord, make this my heart for your word. Psalm 119, verse 89. I titled the sermon this morning, The Final Word. And I would like you to join me, if you would, in prayer as we spend our time here this morning with this word laid open before us. Father, we are delighted to come once again, not only to sing of your praise and to share in this fellowship around our Savior Jesus, our Lord, our joy and treasure, but Lord, to then come and be addressed by you through the preaching of your word. It is good for us to uh, submit ourselves and humble ourselves before your holy word. And so we pray now, Lord, that you would work in power, that your spirit would move in this place and, and Lord, help my words to ring true with your word such that we would hear from you today as I preach. It is a big prayer, Lord, and we pray it with confidence because of your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, we had a wonderful time uh, sharing in VBS this week, and I was praying, you know, Lord, what, what should I preach? And uh, what text would be a, a text that would land this week for the kids and for their parents who've been hearing about the kids and the journey we've had them on? And this is the verse that God brought to mind actually came in the middle of a prayer. Uh, I love sometimes when the Lord does that. He just landed this for me. And I knew right away, this, this is the one we should do. Just one verse. It's not very long. This is what it reads. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Now, that's a, that's a weird sentence, isn't it? We don't typically talk that way. And frankly, neither did the psalmist, except for he wanted to make a point in this verse as he moves through and, and pours his joy out before the Lord for his word and his testimonies. He wants to emphasize this word forever. You see, the sentence would read typically, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens forever, right? That's how we would say that. But he wants to begin with this word forever to make his point. It is forever O oh Lord, that your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. What does that mean? Firmly fixed can also be translated settled or established or uh, unshakable, right? This, this fixed word, it's not changing. It doesn't need improvement. It's not needing tweaking or adjustment. It's not affected by discovery or new information. This is the Word of God, and it is settled in the heavens. Why in the heavens? Well, one of the things the psalmist knew, as so do we, is that everything on this plane is changing. The constant that we know is change. Everything's changing. Every year these kids come, and we do this VBS. They're a little older. Some are a little more well-behaved than last year. And some are still on the journey, right? That's okay. That's what we're doing. 
the reality is, is their parents are on a journey as well. All of us are works in progress. We are changing. We are aging. Our world is changing. Good night. The, the, the climate of our culture and the situation in our land is totally different now than a year ago. And a year from now, it will be also different. Who knows what is to come but one who knows all things. Who, when he speaks, he speaks with perfect and complete, infinite knowledge of all that is. So when he speaks, his word is completely informed. And when he speaks, it is fixed in the heavens. Nothing can change it. Nothing can confront it or call it down. It's not fading. It's not going to fail. It's the word of the Lord. So one of the things I wanted to do this morning is to ask, why would the psalmist be stirred in his heart by the Holy Spirit to say these words? What, what is it that he knew of God that would cause him to praise God in this way with these words? And so that's the journey that I want to take us on this morning. You'll see in your sermon notes, we've got just two points that lead us then to four uh, conclusions. And the first point is this. God is. God is. It's a very simple statement, but it is one of the most profound realities for anyone to reckon with in this world. God exists. He is. Fascinating thing how the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, who created God? No one. He is. He has no beginning. He is self-existent. He is self-sufficient. He is completely autonomous on his own, happy within himself, eternal. He has always existed and always will exist. So everything else that exists is derived from God. He is the creator of all that is. The creation owes its existence to the one who has always existed. Before there was creation... There was God. God is. Fascinating thing to think about His name. Moses in Exodus chapter 3 wants to say, well, if, if I come to the people that the Lord commanded him to go, and we just saw this recently because we're moving through the book of Exodus, right? Who, who should I say sent me to them? And, and, and if they ask, what's His name? What do I say? How does God respond? This is fascinating response God said to Moses I am who I am <laughs> that's his name say this to the people of Israel I am has sent me to you what is God making a point he's establishing the fact that he is God exists I am God says tell him the I am sent you to them. Hmm. God says through the prophet Isaiah a number of years later, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Okay, so now put yourself in the shoes of the psalmist. You know this. You know this. This is not only just head knowledge. This is history. Okay, you have experienced. This is your people. This is your 
delight is in the God who is. And you know that there is a God and there is no one like him. Therefore, when he speaks, his word is unparalleled. The word of God is unchallenged. It cannot be questioned. It certainly cannot be informed by anyone outside of God. It can't be called down. Therefore, it cannot be changed. It is the word of God, the one who is. There is but one God. And everything else derives from this one God. Oh, if we could just allow that to soak deeper into our soul. He is. God is. So amazing. The second point is this. God is not silent. How interesting it would be to live in a world where everywhere we looked, we saw fingerprints of God. We look in the mirror and, and the testimony of our great creator screams design intricacy glory just in looking in the mirror at the complexities of humanity and then looking at the sunset and his creation and his power on display in the mountains and the thunderstorm and the intricacies of of the tiny and the vastness of the immense we would know there is a God, would we not? We would know some of His attributes, according to Romans 1. But what if He never spoke? We would be in trouble, wouldn't we? We would have enough knowledge of this God to be damned by Him, but not enough knowledge of God to understand what it means to have a relationship with Him, to, to, to be saved Reminds me of the elephant in the dark room. You've heard the story told, maybe, of a group of people who were in the dark room with an elephant. And they were all each at a different location, and, and one person grabs onto the ear and says, oh, well, my goodness, I know what we have here. This is a very small, uh, thin, uh, it's kind of floppy. Wow, it's almost like a dog ear. It's, just, it's nice. And then someone grabs the little tail, and they're like, oh, look, this is wonderful. It can't be that big. I've got a little small curly tail over here. And someone goes over to his foot and they wrap their arms around it and they say, good grief, this thing's huge. You see, they all have different opinions of what the elephant is. What's he like? If we were to take a poll and ask each of those people to describe it, we would have a variety of different descriptions. Thick skin. Small tail, huge foot, trunk, what's this thing? Big nose. Everything changes when the elephant speaks. You see the difference here? Without God's word, we are simply feeling in the dark. We know there's something there. We know that we're glimpsing at least parts of this, but we cannot fully understand what it is that we are sensing. But when the elephant speaks and says, well, hello, everybody, I'm an elephant, everything changes. Even more so if he reaches over and throws on the light switch by sending his son, Jesus, the word made flesh. 
taking on human form. The light of the world. You see what God has done? He is not silent. He's a God who has invited us into his privacy. He has said, my privacy setting was this, and rightfully so, I could have kept it that way, but no, I have brought down the veil, and I have allowed you to now relate with me, to know who I am. I'm revealing myself to you with words. And so, yes, he created with words. He spoke words, and all that is came into being through his word. And then he has given us his word to tell us more of who he is. His divine revelation. So natural revelation and special revelation. This, the word of God. 66 books, one book. 40 different authors, one author. The self-disclosure of Almighty God. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Now, breathed out. It is the breath of God. He speaks His words through the human authors as they wrote, such that they wrote not only their heart, but God's Word as they penned that Scripture. Some of His Scripture was given by direct uh, dictation. Others was revealed through the prophets, right? The word as they spoke on behalf of God. Others through the pen of a, of a Christian killer who was saved by Jesus himself, the Apostle Paul and John, Peter and others, right? This book is God's gift. It's God saying, this is who I am. This is what I expect. This is what you need to understand about who you are and what it means to then Relate with me. These are the requirements. All Scripture, every verse counts. Every word counts. It's breathed out by God and profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The Word is righteous. The Word uh, has the effect in our lives that when we are trained and taught and reproved and corrected by it, we become competent. And equipped for what? For righteous works. Good works. To live uh, like Christ gave us the model to live. No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. This is huge. Peter writes such an important verse for us to understand this. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So you have the function of God's self-disclosure coming through men, 40 different men who were carried along such that the pen strokes were guided by the hand of God as they wrote, He spoke. So you never have to say, oh, I just need the Lord to tell me uh, what I should do. I, I never, I, I just, if I could just hear from the Lord, God's up there saying, Open your Bible. Open your Bible, my friends, and you will hear the voice of God. What a gift this is. The Word of God. The Creator and the One who speaks. The God who is not silent. He speaks through His Word. So, 
If that's the case, then I want us to join the psalmist in what he sees and celebrate the realities of this God. It is not that we worship the Bible. We don't worship the Word. We worship the God of the Word. The Word is what it is because God is who He is. You see the the connection here? And so these four points are at least skipping a stone about the greatness of His gift in His Word. Point number one. Therefore, God's Word is true. God's Word is true. Oh, how we need truth in our day. What is true, Pilate asked Jesus, who was true with a capital T. You turn on the news, I'd like to know what's true. Increasingly, it's hard to figure out what is actually true. I hear a lot of people talking, and I don't really know what's up from down. I need to know what is objective reality, truth. God's Word is. It is true. Why? Because God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Yes, there are things God cannot do. He can't lie. And He has spoken. Oh, the promises of the Bible. Over 8,000 promises, friends, in this book. Every single one. True. Because God is true. The sum of your word is truth. Every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Here's the reason they endure. Because they're true. True, not defined by the culture of the time or the shifting sands of of this or that. I like this. I don't like that. Fascinating thing to watch how culture changes. I was hanging out with Brian this past week. We're talking about classical music and the different sounds from different time periods. And I love learning from him about how the sound changes as the generation changes. Guess what? God's word never changes. It was true back then, and it's true now. Does that not meet us with great assurance in a day where everything's changing? We have a foundation in this book. Jesus prayed this in a high priestly prayer, John 17. He prayed for you. This is what he prayed. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Praise God for that. God has spoken. We have truth. We have truth to claim. It's authoritative truth. It is objective reality. There is no more real words than the words in this book. Science can make claims, and science can be proven wrong. The science in this book has never been proven wrong. It's not a science book. It's a book of revelation about who God is. But, but remember this, and don't be shaken by scientific claims, because they come and they go. And they're supposed to be understood as theories and hypotheses. As far as I'm understanding the Word of God, He was there. Take that as a first-person experience. And I'm going with God on that because I'm pretty sure no other scientist was there. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. What is and what isn't. What is right and what is wrong. 
What is that we are to do and what is it that we are not to do? Ethics. My life, how am I to live? All of this right here, clear and true and sufficient for us in this walk. Oh, Psalm 19. Go to that chapter regularly for your soul. Live there. Go to 119 and then go to 19. It's easy to remember. Live in 19 and run over to 119. Listen to this. This is just a part of Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Do you want that? Yes. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. He goes on to give a warning. He, he warns us in keeping them, there is great reward. So be warned. When you love this law, you will meet with reward from the God who is. Oh, to love the truth of God's Word more. Secondly, God's Word is authoritative. Oh, so often we see the word authority and we cringe, we fear. Why? Because authority, many times, in association with sin, is a negative. But not for God, the one who is good, infinitely good. He is the authority that is. There is no other authority that doesn't derive from Him in his authority. That's why you see the institution of the church have uh, ascribed authority. There is a structure. And in the home, there is a structure. doesn't mean one spouse is more important than the other. It means that God is looking to one to function in structure and operate in the home that way. The man is the head of the home, the spiritual leader in the house. And in the church, we trust Christ to be the, the chief shepherd and then under shepherds. The, the, the elders are called to shepherd in their own authority? No way. In the authority from the Lord that is given to them to shepherd well the sheep who are called to then submit to the elders. You see, these things, God reclaims these, these cringes of us that fear authority and He meets us with His Word. Yeah, ask a question. Who is the authority in this room right now? Is it the person who has the most political experience? Is it the oldest person? Is it the strongest person? Is it the person behind the pulpit? No. It is the Lord who is in this place and speaking. God's Word is the authority in this place. And we are all together under that happy-hearted, submissive servants to His Word. That's what we want. That's what we want more. I want the posture of my heart to delight in submission to Him and His Word. Hmm. Isaiah 46, I am God and there is none like Me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all My purpose calling a bird of prey from the east and 
uh, a man of my counsel from a far country. Listen to this. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Does that sound like divine authority to you? Or is it a God up there saying, oh, I just hope it all works out. I, I did my best and I planned it and it just, you guys do your best and hopefully we'll all end up in the same place. No, that's not the God who is. Now, we sometimes would think that that would be who God would be so that we could be God. But that's not reality, is it? God is the authority in the room. He is sovereign. He rules. And when He speaks, as E.F. Hutton, right? People listen. And if they don't, they should. The Word of God is authoritative. Hebrews chapter 4, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see what he's saying? The Word of God is not just concerned about the outside behavior, the outside displays. Oh, the Pharisees needed this. They did all these things that looked great, but the Word of God cuts through it all to the heart and intentions. No creature is hidden from His sight, the God of the Word. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. And so if you're here today and you are living your life with no concern for this book, if you're here today and you think, I do what I want to do. I want to tell you today lovingly, you will give an account for every single behavior, thought, action, deed, things you've done, things you've not done. You will give an account to the Lord. And let that reality, truth of God's Word, call you to the joy of His book. Delighting in His Word. Yes, I am accountable to this authority. And so, Lord, I want to be a happy-hearted, submitted servant of Yours to obey You, to love Your law, to live in Your Word day after day. Number three, God's Word is powerful. God's Word is powerful. So it's true. It is authoritative. And the Word of God is powerful. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Why did God create this way? Why is it that he, he spoke and it was? Ex nihilo. He made everything out of nothing. He spoke words. Let there be. Boom. And there was. Why that way? Because God is revealing, again, who He is. His power is such that He simply says a word, and it is. I don't have that. The word of the Lord that created the heavens and the earth is the same powerful word that you carry under your arm when you come to church. It's the God of power who uses His words to accomplish His mission. 
Incredible. Monday morning. You need power as you're heading to work. Where are you going to go? Red Bull? Huh? Really? Go to the book and infuse your soul with divine power to live and love and obey. Oh, to tap into this book is to tap the very reaches of God's strength for you. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The Lord shakes the wilderness. He shakes the wilderness of, of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. Don't miss this. It is huge, earth-shaking. It will strip the forest bare. Think Mount St. Helens. Just blowing those trees over. That's, that's a tiny glimpse of the power of, the, of, of God and His Word. And at the same time, it's able to make the deer give birth. Close, gentle, a whisper at times. He speaks in power in your life through His Word, my friends. Romans 1.16 I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is what? The, the Word of God. The Gospel. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's amazing. That, that is mind-blowing, friends. Do you have family members who don't know Jesus? Do you long for them to live? Guess what? You can't do it yourself. You can't make that happen. You lack the power. But God does not. The hardest heart can be melted by the Word of God. So pray and speak words of life. Share the Gospel. Don't hesitate. Don't be ashamed. Watch the power of God accomplish His purpose. There is no one who can resist His will. No one. God has the power to humble Nebuchadnezzar in his pride and then cause him to walk around in the grass for seven years like a cow and then at the end of those seven years come back and praise the God who is. Number four, God's Word is permanent. His word is true, his word is authoritative, his word is powerful, and his word is permanent. It's permanent. That's where this verse started us, right? It is forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It's not going anywhere. Why? Because it's God's word. Informed with the fullness of God's omniscience unmatched with the fullness of all of His sovereign authority, perfect in all of His truth, sufficient in all of His sufficiency for us, good, gracious, merciful, just, true, vengeful, and loving. The Word of the Lord. The Word of the Lord reveals the Lord of the Word. 
And that's why it's not going anywhere. Because God is not concerned about losing his position. Heaven and earth, Jesus said, will pass away. But my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. Might just add this. By whose hand? Ours? Don't flatter yourself. Are you kidding me? By the hand of God. But the word of God will not pass away. I love this. The grass withers, Peter writes, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. Here's the good news, friends. If you're a Christian here, and you've submitted your life to Jesus Christ, turned from your sins, and trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, guess what? That's the same good news that will operate to save people on this earth a thousand years from now if the Lord tarries. It doesn't change. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get worse. It's the same. Why? Because God never changes. This is his plan. This was always his plan. This is not plan B. Satan did not mess things up, nor did Adam and Eve. This is plan A, and he is on the scene with Jesus, bringing in his people. And it will come to fullness at the time he appointed from eternity past and not a minute sooner or later. It's the God who is. Our response this morning, I would just ask this question. Are you listening? Are you listening to the voice of God as He speaks through His Word? Can you identify with the writer of Psalm 119 as he can't come up with enough ways to describe his love for God's word, for his gift of his, his speaking to us who he is? Does the relationship that you know with God operate in this book? Don't fall prey to this notion of just ethereal spirituality where you just feel stuff. That is hogwash. And I'm telling you this, when the doctor says you have cancer, none of that matters. This book matters. This is the rock of your life. This is where you will run and cling. Oh Lord, hold me. When everything around me is changing and shaking, what never changes? The God of the Word. He will meet you. And He will hold you up. Come what may. Because his word is settled. It is fixed in the heavens forever. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I had a treasure box and I told the kids about a story how I dug this out of a, uh, a snow cave. We were in the Arctic this week, obviously, as you can see, my igloo. And I had some kids come up and unwrap the treasure box. I told them this is the most amazing, most valuable treasure that anyone has ever found. What was in it? The Word of God. I rejoice 
at your word like one who finds great spoil. Don't tell me there's no time before work. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm just too busy. I don't have time. No, you do. If you can pray this prayer, Lord, make that my heart for your word more. I want to love your word more. Make my heart soar as I read the pages of your word. Now, the final word is this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want this word to be operating in power in your life, if you read this and you're just like, I don't see anything, there's nothing happening, then I would say this. You need the Son. You, you need Jesus. Because sin is enslaving and it hates the light. It does not want that book. Your sin will say, no, there's more desirable things out here in this world. And although you chase and never find, it'll keep you hunting out here anywhere but this book. What you need first to do is to go to the final word, who is Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. Run to Him. Confess your sins. Turn from your worldly way and find Jesus as Savior and Lord and treasure. And then look at that book and watch what happens. Because the moment that you are saved, you are given the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will be yours and this book will come alive. I had a professor who read this book cover to cover three times. He stayed up for hours and hours. just couldn't. He knew there was something there, but he, could see, he saw nothing. And the fourth time, God saved him. And he ran to Jesus. And he was saved. He repented of his sins. And he came to this book. And now he teaches at Bible school. Because he can't get enough of this book. That would be my longing for you. Love it more. Love the God of the Word. And love His voice. And listen every day. Let's pray. Father, we long for this for our children. But really, we need this too. We love Your Word. Help us love it more. Oh, forgive us for our fickle-hearted excuses. Help us to lock eyes with You, to listen to Your voice, and to walk with You day by day. Thank You for speaking, Lord, for opening up Your revelation of who You are, for showing us what is true with a capital T. Teach us, Father, to be people of your word more and more not that we would know more only but that we would know more that we might love you more and live the way you've called us to father in our singing your word in our walking through this week your word in our joy your word in our parenting your word oh god we love you and we thank you for your word in Jesus' name, amen.